Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. Why, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 78 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and with me as ever, is the indomitable Sarah D. Bunting. Hello. And I am pleased to say that our theme song today was written and performed by Andrew Byrne. And our song that we're discussing today was written and performed by someone else. But I'm going to let Sarah talk about that because it was her suggestion. She brought it to the table. So, Sarah, why don't you give us the skinny on what's up today? All right. Um, Speaking of skinny, uh, the lead singer of this band, you may have heard of them, The Rolling Stones, is fairly trim. Uh, We're going to be discussing You Can't Always Get What You Want. Um, Sometimes you can. I wanted to talk about this song. Now we're doing it. (laughs) Um, This is a song that It was like my turn to pick a song And I had We had just been talking about George Michael And um, Waiting for That Day And the um, reference To this song In that song And so I just like went into iTunes Shuffle and was like "All right, iTunes Tell me what I want to talk about And uh, the first song That came up was something we've already discussed On the podcast and then this came up, and I thought, well, all right, uh, let's let's have a look at this um, whatever eight-minute journey with the Rolling Stones that should not work. A uh, children's choir singing about adult themes, no, shouldn't work. Uh, seven plus minutes, not m- my favorite, shouldn't work. Um, and yet, uh, and yet, all of the pieces make this fantastic hole in my opinion let's hear a clip and then we'll discuss at the reception in a glass was bleeding man she was practiced at the art of deception well I could tell Okay, I forgot until I was doing some research about the song that Trump uses this at rallies. Ugh. That fucker finds a way to ruin everything, but not this song, and here's why. Um, The portion that we've just heard is sort of, it's towards the end, uh, and there has been, in the beginning, there's the choir, and then a transition from the choir to this plaintive, sort of exhausted guitar line, and then the horn comes in. And it just feels like sunrise after a long night out that didn't go that well. And you're just like, oh, my God, just get me a fucking egg sandwich and a bed. 
But then you get to the end, there's been this slow build through various like disorienting end of the 60s scenes to everyone in the song, the choir, the guitar, Mick Jagger, the backing vocalist, the drums, some guy who was walking down Queens Road, I don't know. <laughs> everyone is playing and singing as a collective, which is everything that you need rock and roll to do. Like... I don't think Trump uses it for this reason because he is a stunad and does not think about anything in any way, much less about music in this way. But this is actually a really good song for this era, for progressives, and like that feeling of trying to be a progressive and an American human person and not drink yourself to death somehow, like the bleeding man in the glass, it us. Um... And there's something about this progression from everything's terrible and my head hurts and my sunglasses are on a bar two towns ago at the beginning to this feeling of like, okay, here is some joy. Here is some friendship or like collegiality. Here it is, you know, it is possible, however, like modestly to be a force for grace and good in the world by creating what Stephen King, when he was doing his playlists, which were annoying, would call a rave-up, which is also annoying, but actually some songs are rave-ups, and this one is one of them. Um, I know they were accused of having to do, like, their own Hey Jude, and that this was it, and whatever, but, like, I think this is a better song than Hey Jude, and if it was a rip-off, they improved on it? Mm. This is a great album, just generally. It's my favorite one, I think, of theirs. I am really shocked that my parents let me listen to it when I was like four and like read the lyrics on the LP cover. But actually that turned out to be pretty good parenting because here we all are together. Mark, do you like this song? If so, did you enjoy revisiting it? And I'm sorry to have besmirched it with the Trump mention, but what are your feelings about it in this fractious, fractured era in which we find ourselves much like the end of the 60s? Well, great questions all. Allow me to endeavor to answer them with something <laughs> that is halfway coherent. Uh, I, I will say also... pointer out so that everyone can follow along in order. First of all, let me just say that this song only peaked on the charts in America at number 42. It's one of the clear, clear instances of a song far outstripping its chart peak. Because quite frankly... I think this is a perfect song. I think it's perfect. I love this song. It's perfect. I love the children's choir. I love the insanity of the lyrics. I love the the movement, like you said, from extreme despondency to something like hard-earned hope. I love yes. the very... The, the, Great way the, to put it. The simple, God-honest truth of the lyric... You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. That, to me, is the reason that this song is so important for right now, because liberal, conservative, whoever you're yelling at on Twitter, whoever you're icing <laughs> out of your family because of who they voted for, you're almost certainly not getting what you want from America right now. But all we can hope for is that if we just keep living every day we can just get what we need which is some way out of all this madness and it means that nobody's going to get everything that they want but maybe we will get what we need which is some kind of forward-looking compromise that just 
gets us to just take a deep breath and stop being so angry all the damn time so that we can get back to work and actually trying to make the country work and function. And there's something so right about what you said. I thought it was so smart the way you analyzed the slow accretion of participants in this song. And I love the fact that you can tell, or at least it sounds like based on the recording, that there were just 50 people in a room together. And you know, one of the reasons that I think this is a better song than Hey Jude, other than the fact that, as you know, I don't really care for the Beatles all that much, but <laughs> I think that this period of Beatles music has the sound of being perfected in a hermetically sealed environment, whereas, uh, so Hey Jude is a big, loud, passionate song that obviously, when performed live, which I did hear performed live when my parents dragged me to a Paul McCartney concert, you know, it definitely has that live element, but in the original recording, I feel like it sounds much more hermetic. And this version of the song, uh, this song, which has the similar grandiosity, sounds like a real party, a rave up, as you said. And that's one of the reasons that I have always really liked the Rolling Stones is I feel like that even when they're out there trying things. There's always something urgent and dirty about them that really appeals to me. And this just feels really real. It just feels like everybody grab a cheap beer and a grilled cheese and we're just going to make some damn music while we're on the back porch. And I just, I like it. It, I want to listen to it. And I totally understand why any politician would gravitate toward this song. But I think what's cool is that we can just ignore all of that crap and hear the fundamental truth of the message, which sort of transcends all current politics, I think. Yeah. And yeah, and also, if you're going to have a choir at the beginning of your song, do it like this. Do it for like two minutes. Great. Yes. Yeah. And then the choir like goes and has snack, has some orange slices, and then they come back in. And then they yeah, just keep going up the scale, and then the tambourines get all crazy, and it's just like, even when everything is terrible and you're not getting what you want, actually what you need is to get up from your chair, put your phone down, get off social media, and like dance like Snoopy for like 45 to 60 seconds. You need that. Everyone needs to do that, at least in their hearts. And I mean, I've talked a lot with my dad in the last year or so about the like spasms that this country seems to be going through and how he hasn't really seen anything this dislocating since 1967, 1968, 1969, where it was just like, what is going to be visited upon us next? But it's you know, that's part of life, I guess, the life cycle of a country, whatever. But it's, you know, it's interesting that Trump, who is like the least in, in not insightful, what's the word I want? In, not introverted, in... Inspiring. Well, yeah. <laughs> Certainly. I mean, apparently he is pretty inspiring, barf. Um, bye. Bye, Trump voters. Bye. Thanks for listening. Um uh, like just not, he doesn't, he's not reflective. He doesn't, he doesn't like look back upon himself. Um, it's interesting that he would, would pick this song when he, you know, he is sort of like the, if he's not the cause, 
then he's sort of presiding over so many of the like angry, divisive, depressing for progressive spasms that we're undergoing right now. Um, but it's a testament to this song's big tent resilience that he can't ruin it. I'm not right. like I'm not going to delete this from my uh, from my library. Um, right. I wish I could delete him from my library, but uh, yeah, I th- I think it is a perfect song, and but it's it's perfect because it's a little imperfect. I think that you made a great point that there is something about the sure knowledge that most of that band is not wearing underpants and it has le- and Keith Richards is just like what even is this creature like he's <laughs> he's mostly drugs like his his body composition is mostly drugs and he will outlive us all and i just think that with his teeny scarves and he'll just be laughing the whole way he'll be like i fucking told y'all totally um, there's something about this band, like, I grew up on the Beatles, and I love them, but you're so right that some of their later stuff does feel a little like, you know, and here's where we do our Revolution songs, and it is a little bit sterile. I think John Lennon mm-hmm. tried to, like, scuff it up a little bit, but John Lennon could also be really annoying. The Rolling Stones seem to have a much more genuine, um, like... I think they still like lived in the world more at this point or something. I don't know, but there is that dirtiness to them that you mentioned that I think makes a song like this more meaningful to me because I can relate to those, like the spiritual hangover that it talks about in language that you use for a real one. I just, it's like just not something that the Beatles in their like Maharishi mode were really, like, I think they felt like they were too good for, you know, the human concerns, like having too much drink at that point. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's evidence to the contrary and I'm not trying to shit on the Beatles. I love them, but, but I really liked that point that you made about the the dirtiness of it, which means that it's imperfect and is why I think this song endures. Maybe not as good, clean, funnily as the sing-along of Hey Jude, but I, I think it will I think it will last like into the next time a generation is feeling um like just caught in the middle of constant fighting that people totally. will still be coming back to this song in forty years from now. Totally. And I want to just bring back up the Tempest in a Teapot controversy that surrounded this song at the time of its release, which seems so far removed now. But there really was a controversy around the fact that this song was supposedly a Hey Jude ripoff. And it makes me think of the fact that Thornton Wilder, playwright and novelist, was, many believe, denied the Nobel Prize because people felt that his play, The Skin of Our Teeth, ripped off Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce so much that Wilder himself was a ripoff artist. And I just love being far enough removed from bullshit like that <laughs> to be able to look at the work of art and just see actually let's all get our heads out of our collective butts and see that the skin of our teeth 
you can't always get what you want. All of these so-called controversially copycat songs, films, movies, plays, books, whatever, they're all they're great. And in a way, our of-the-moment crises fall away and you just are left with this stuff that's just timeless and great. And you're so right, too, to say that it doesn't matter which politician – is trying to yoke his Cheeto ass to this particular star, <laughs> the star itself will continue to shine. Well, I can't say it any better than that, so <laughs> I won't talk to you guys next time. <laughs> This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting, that's me, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting, that's also me. Do you need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Here's how. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet at us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. And you can become a supporter and producer of this podcast at our Patreon page. That's at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Mad world. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.